0: Love, talk, radio.
1: Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, hello, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships in midlife. And today I am excited to be speaking with, I think this is his third time on the show, mediator and peacemaker Doug Knoll about how to quickly de-escalate anger in three steps. And we're actually going to talk about other emotions as well as we were just discussing before the show that this can be used for positive and negative emotions or whatever you want to call them because I think they're all, they're all good emotions. But we'll discuss all of that in just a few minutes. Um, But before I bring Doug on, I just wanted to say that I one of my favorite things to do as a woman's love and empowerment coach is is helping women speak up and communicate effectively. Because I feel that it's not just a woman thing, but women were usually programmed to be kind and nice, and, and it comes at a cost when you're not honoring your own needs. And so I have... In um, helping women find love, and the thing that really helps them find love is finding their own value first, and learning to speak up, and show up, and stand up as a woman of value. And I, I am working on and furthering the woman of value movement, and supporting women through uh, in work, in life, and in love, and teaching women that, and men, <laughs> but. This is really particularly for women that it's not negotiable to value yourself and communicate effectively. So every week I bring you a tip on how to become a woman of value and this week's tip is love yourself first and this really ties into what I was just talking about which is that before giving to anybody else, it's so important to honor your needs and one way to do this is to practice self-care first thing every morning. Somebody once pointed this out to me that by answering emails and getting on to email in particular, you're already giving to other people before you've given to yourself. So whatever self-care looks like for you, um, really honor what you need to ground yourself and give to yourself and love yourself before starting to give and give and give because you'll soon be depleted. Um, And one more thing before I bring Doug on is, I have a private Facebook group, and if you're not yet a member, I invite you to join. This is for women over 40, and it's called Your Last First Date. This is a free group. It is growing in size every day, and it's a place to come for positive support. There's no man bashing allowed. Uh, There is, you know, you have to be really clear about your request when you're asking for support. And so I'm really trying to teach these effective communication skills and self-worth through this group, and it's amazing to watch how women are transforming. So join us at your last first date. All right, and now for Doug Knoll. He is a lawyer turned peacemaker. His calling is to serve humanity, and he executes his calling at many levels. His work carries him into many dark places. He uses pragmatic and practical skills of peace, and he helps people resolve deep interpersonal and ideological conflicts. He's an award-winning author of three books. He's also a teacher, a speaker, and a trainer. And he has a new book called De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less, and it was published by Beyond Words, Simon & Schuster, in September 2017. Oh, his fourth book, not his forthcoming book. I'm like, that happened already. Um, so welcome to the show again, Doug. I'm so happy to have you back.
0: Hey, Sandy. Great to be here and, and hopefully give some advice for people that either deal with anger or if they want to build beautiful relationships, use these skills for that purpose too.
1: Awesome. Well, before we get into de-escalating, um, I'd love to have your our audience hear a little bit more about... Why, how you came upon this work, because I, I think it's a fascinating story.
0: I I left the practice of law in 2000 uh, for uh, after I obtained my master's degree in peacemaking and conflict studies, and I left a very successful trial practice because I didn't feel like my work as a trial lawyer was really serving people very well. And at that time, I was engaged to deal with Um, some very difficult and contentious conflicts where people needed a mediator to come in and help them sort things out. And one of the things that I I had been observing since the mid-1990s as both a mediator and a a graduate student was that the tools, there really were no tools for (coughs) helping people de-escalate. I mean, I know you've been a student of Rosenberg's NBC and you know, there's a whole active listening thing that, that Carl Rogers started in the mid-1960s, but none of that really works um, effectively, it, and especially it doesn't work in intense conflict situations. So that led me into neuroscience and trying to figure out, well, what's going, what can neuroscientists tell us what's going on in the brain? And I, I ended up doing a mediation in Santa Barbara uh, that was extremely bitter between a couple who had been divorced for some years, and... They were screaming at each other, uh, vile, vile curses and words. And I, the thought came to me all of a sudden ignore the words, pay attention to the emotions. And so mm-hmm. that's what I did. I just went with my gut because I didn't have anything else to do. I had no skills that, that I had been taught that would help them solve this. So I just got them simmered down, and I told Susan, I said, Susan, I want you to ignore John's words and just pay attention to his emotions. And in the beginning, she struggled with it. But eventually, after about 10 minutes, she got it. And as she started reflecting his emotions, I watched her in the moment shift from somebody being, feeling like she was a victim to a woman mm-hmm. feeling empowered. And it just happened right before my very eyes. She relaxed, her voice changed, she became in control of herself. And so John would tell his story, she would reflect his emotions. And, and then after about 10 minutes, when he finished, I had him do the same thing for her. And I saw the same thing. He moved from it being an angry man, victim to being empowered and listening mm-hmm. to emotions. And when they were done, he put his he- head in his hand and he started sobbing. Mm-hmm. And that went on for like three or four minutes. I mean, this was really intense. And he looked up at her after he finally came back under, under, you know, when all, these strong emotions had passed. And he looked at her and he said, that's the first time you've listened to me in 25 years. Mm-hmm. And they dismissed the lawsuit and got up and walked out holding hands and had lunch with each other. Wow. And I sat there and say, whoa, what just happened? Mm-hmm. So I started playing with this idea. And a couple of years later came across an imaging, a brain imaging uh, study by Matthew Lieberman at UCLA who showed us how the brain responds to this process known as affect labeling. I had stumbled onto this technique called affect labeling where you label somebody else's emotions with a simple use statement. And he had tested he t- tested, wanted to find out why does this work? And so he set up this testing protocol and showed that when <laughs> people are able to affect label it reengages their prefrontal cortex in a way that shuts off the feedback loop from, from the strong emotional centers of the brain, pr- primarily in the amygdala, and they immediately calm themselves. And it's just a biophysiological hmm. reaction that every human being has. So armed with that knowledge, I started really testing it and ended up... Um, starting the Prison of Peace Project in 2010 with my colleague Laurel Coffer, and we started teaching murderers how to be peacemakers. And the first thing we teach them is how to listen to another person's emotions. And they started coming back reporting how they were stopping gang riots and murders and rapes and all this horrible stuff that happened in prison. They were walking people off the window ledge of violence by simply reflecting back their emotional state with a simple use statement. And that's basically Mm -hmm. how it started. And ever since then, of course, I've been teaching and writing, and tomorrow, this afternoon, tomorrow, actually, I fly to Washington D.C. I'm going to be teaching the Congressional Budget Office senior management how to de-escalate Congress.
1: Wow, I mean, that's how big
0: this has gotten. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's huge. It's a big
0: deal. This stuff works.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, and I mean, so uh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it's a fascinating, fascinating journey, and yes, I. I had my own experience with many other techniques that did, did not work, and I, I knew that it was only part of the process. And so I love, I love your technique. So you talk about um, de-escalating arguments and conflicts by using a, a simple you statement. Um, so can you tell us more about how that works?
0: Sure. Listening is not conversation. Listening is its own separate skill set. And the rules of conversation do not apply to listening. And this is where people get really hung up, because they start applying conversational norms of behavior to listening norms of behavior, and they're totally different. And so the first thing we have to do is kind of overcome the anxiety of new, there are new norms here. And when you're speaking, whenever you're listening, you always want to listen from the speaker's frame of reference. So, for example, you would never say, and this is where this whole active listening movement has gotten wrong and where I'm deeply critical of NVC because they always use I statements. What -hmm. I hear you saying is X or what I think you're feeling is X. Whenever you use I statement, you are removing the train on the speaker's track and putting it on your own track. And it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. People feel deeply offended. They feel manipulated. They feel like... They're being patronized. It makes them angrier. And every single one of us who has ever been subjected to one of these phony, active listening techniques knows exactly what I'm talking about. And in fact, I even tell my students that some people get doubt. And I say, well, go out and practice this. Try it one way and then try it the other way. The actual mm-hmm. way that you do this to be effective is to use a simple use statement. You are angry. Sandy, you're really pissed off. You are really frustrated. You're not feeling supported. And you feel sad because there's nobody there to help you. Notice that I Mm -hmm. never left your track. So that's the first thing we have to learn is how to use use statements and to overcome our own anxiety about maybe being rude or impertinent or patronizing or telling somebody else how they feel. Because our culture so diminishes the importance of emotions in our daily lives that we've never learned how to be comfortable around them. So yeah. that's why learning how to use the use statement becomes difficult in the beginning. But it, that passes very quickly because as soon as you start seeing the results, it becomes a self-reinforcing practice, and this is all you want to do. Then the next step is once you figure that out, then, then all you have to do is three steps. Number one, ignore the words. Ignore the words. Mm-hmm. They, the words have no meaning. For the next 90 seconds, you can ignore the words Believe me, in arguments, we've all heard the same words over and over and over again. There's nothing there. There's nothing new. no news there. We're, we've heard it all before. So, so we can afford to ignore the words, pay attention to the emotions, basically guess at the emotions. We are hardwired for reading emotional data fields of other people because, because as Ms. Rabiam showed back in the 1970s, well over 94% of all communication is nonverbal. Only 6% mm-hmm. to 7% of all communication is verbalized through words. Everything else is nonverbal, especially emotional communication. And emotional communication occurs much, much faster with nonverbal expressions, body language, tone of voice, tonality, all of that m- conveys emotion much faster than the words ever do. So you're going to ignore the words to pay attention to the 90, 96% of the information that's coming across to you so you can pay attention to it. And then you're going to guess at what you think that emotion is. And it's obvious. It's almost always obvious. When you, when, when you, you, sometimes you can get, make fine, fine distinctions, get a little trickier, but with practice you pick that up. You see, you're angry. Sandy, you are really angry. You're really pissed off. And that's all you do. You reflect back the emotion with a simple use statement, and you watch, and you see what happens. In the beginning, you do, just do one emotion at a time. You're really angry. Watch what happens, mm-hmm. and typically you, Sandy, would say something like yeah i 'm really I'm, boy am i angry i 'm just so i 'm just enraged, I feel deeply disrespected, and so there 's an emotion you get, "Oh, so you feel deeply disrespected and you, and then you guess mm-hmm. again oh you 're really frustrated, and emotions come in six layers, so you just kind of work through the layers depending upon you know the context of the situation, and you work through the layers, and finally you will get within ninety seconds you 'll get to a place where your, spe- your, list- your speaker will say, yeah, exactly. And then there'll be a deep sigh, a dropping of the shoulders, a nodding of the head, and they'll completely relax. And they'll be completely de-escalated. And this typically takes 30 to 45 seconds, maybe 90 seconds at the outside. Because that's the way yeah. we're hardwired. And when we, when we listen to people in this way, we are validating them at, at the deepest level of what it means to be human which has almost never happened to people before. I call it listening them into existence. And when you listen another person into existence, you are acknowledging them for who they really are and what they're really experiencing, not for whom culture says they have to be and, and the, you know, the, the, the phoniness they've got to put up um, to be somebody they're not.
1: Mm.
0: And it is yeah, incredibly powerful. powerful, really yeah, powerful.
1: Very powerful. And I think for a lot of people, when they first hear this, they think, "Oh, like you're telling me how I feel." Uh, yeah, but, let me explain that. You know, yeah.
0: Yeah. People feel I get. A, people will give me pushback, saying, "Well, why? Why do I have to tell this other person how they feel?" Well, that's because it's the it's the biology of our brains. When people get really emotional, they move into a condition called alexithemia. Alexithemia is the inability. To identify and label one's own emotional experience, and at a, at a deep level, it, it's it's a it's a diagnostic tool. It's in the DSM, five or that that it's a clinical problem. But we don't see it. We mm-hmm. see it. We see it also in conflict all the time because people get in a rage, they can no longer think clearly, and all they're doing is acting out their rage. They can no longer process their own emotions. So what happens when we affix label is this, it seems like because we believe in rationality, we're, we're really not rational beings at all. We have this misguided belief about who we are as human beings. We think that the other pe- person should know what he or she is feeling. They don't know at all. They can't, the, re- the whole reason they're upset and emotionally reactive is because they're responding to something they can't process with their brain in the moment. Mm-hmm. So when we affect label and tell somebody, you feel X, we are lending them our prefrontal cortex for that 30-second period. So that they can begin to process their own emotions. We are giving them the most precious gift in life. Mm. Helping them process Mm. an emotional experience that they cannot process for themselves. And when we do that, incredible things happen. It's amazing to watch. And incredible things happen to you as the listener, too. That's the other thing. I mean, there are huge benefits that come to doing this for yourself. One, your emotional intelligence starts to grow through the roof quickly, rapidly, rapidly. And two, as you begin to practice this, you start experiencing transcendence. You become egoless. In the moment that you are ethic labeling an angry person, you move into a place of egolessness and oneness. So it becomes a spiritual practice. And I've, had, I've got a letter on my desk right now from a prison inmate up in Northern California who just described beautifully what happened to him. He said, I went into this place of total oneness. I mean, those are the words he used and I never taught him this but he just said, it was mm. amazing. The whole experience was just amazing. I said, I wish we could have yeah. had a recording of this because it was just so powerful and I was doing it in front of 15 other guys and this guy was violent
1: mm.
0: and I went into this place of oneness and I just, I just affect labeled him down. He got his calm in 45 seconds and I just felt this sereneness around me, serenity around
1: me. Yeah. It's amazing. And that's what yeah. people want. Like, connection, relationships, you know, that's really what we yearn for. And most people don't know how to do it. Then the ego comes in. That's right. And puts up the guards. And then there's disconnect, complete disconnect. Um, That's right. I was just speaking to somebody this morning who's been married a long time and um, her husband just retired. And, you know, now there's a whole new relationship and stuff is coming up. And... (laughs) And she was explaining how she deals with his anger issues, because he has a lot of anger issues, and she might even be listening to, the, to this show today. Um, but it's, it's just, I was listening to her explain how she responds when he's angry. And so both sides need some work, you know, both sides. But I think that if she does this technique, um, instead of saying, oh, you're angry at me again, you know, <laughs> you know, or... Right. Um, I didn't do anything. You're just taking it out on right. me, which is how a lot of people respond. Right. I've done the same thing. Um, you know, the sure. defensiveness comes in. That's what right. Did you say? And
0: we tend to emotionally invalidate. Right. It's not a big deal. Right. You know, oh, this will blow over. I mean, whatever. Right. I've identified <laughs> it, it's totally emotionally invalidating. And all that happens when we emotionally invalidate ourselves and other people is we just get people angrier. And yet we've been taught to emotionally invalidate from the time two years old. I mean, I teach in my classes. I say, you know, I ask all the guys in the room, at two years old, you scraped your knee and you started crying because it hurt. What happened? And everybody Mm -hmm. reports exactly the same thing. People, mom or dad or somebody said, get up. It doesn't hurt. Oh, it doesn't hurt. Oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, don't be a sissy. Don't be a girl. Totally, Mm -hmm. totally training us at two years old that emotions are bad and we shouldn't feel anything. Yeah. No wonder relationships go in the tank. Yep. We should, be, we should be validating the emotions of a two-year-old to train that child how to, have be, how to have control over emotional reactivity. And the only way the child learns that is by being reinforced through what he or she is experiencing as emotions. Instead, we invalidate. Children And the ACEs study out of San Diego, it it has been going on for now for almost 20 years, is showing us the devastation that occurs with emotional abuse of that kind, emotional Mm -hmm. invalidation. Mm -hmm. What we take as culturally normal causes, it causes later in life cancer, COPD, diabetes, Mm -hmm. obesity, addictive disorder, and antisocial criminal behavior. And if you talk to any of the inmates that I train in in prisons, you know all of them kill, have killed somebody. You will hear stories of emotional abuse that you can't you you can't fathom. No wonder yeah. they're in prison.
1: Yeah, no, I totally totally get it. And I think that invalidating emotions is so common. And when I started to become more aware of the invalidation that I had experienced, I remember when I was giving my first workshop in coaching and my mom said, don't be scared or don't be nervous. <laughs> and, right. And because I had She's stressed, trying to be helpful. Just beca- <laughs> right. She was trying to be helpful. And right. I said that to her. I said, I know you're trying to be helpful. And, you know, can I tell you what would help me more? <laughs> and, and I told That's her, it. I said, you know, even just telling me, like, I believe in you, Sandy, I I know you've got this. I said, because I am going to be nervous. It's part of the process. And I, I want to feel all the feelings. Um, and so, so slowly, like I, I kept speaking up like this and just saying, you know, here's, here's what would work better for me, not invalidating my emotion, but just to accept that this is part of doing something like this. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary to get up and do a speech. It's scary to do a lot of things right. for a lot of people. And if you fight the fear and say, well, you're being a sissy, um, or, you know, only – like I had a speech coach once that I hired who said to me, you know, you've been afraid of speaking since I met you. Just get over it. (laughs) Just like, I should have fired her right (laughs) there. Yeah, like that's going to happen. But what you did with your mother –
0: you did something that I want to point out that's very powerful, and a lot of people are afraid to do this, especially men, but even women, because we're afraid of rejection. And, and what I teach people to do is to say, call out your needs. What I need you to tell me right now is that I'm frightened and scared. Could you please do that for me? Just say, oh, Sandy, you're really frightened and scared right now, and you're a little nervous and anxious. Please do that. Could you just do that for me? Mm-hmm. And teach them how to affect label you. And when they do it, your brain, the unconscious parts of your brain, the emotional centers that over which we have no control will get that, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you'll deescalate. Even though you're asking somebody yeah. to do for you what you may not be able to do for yourself. It's powerful how it works. And my mm-hmm. wife and I do this all the time. Hey, right now I'm really feeling frustrated and anxious and whatever. And could you please just help me with that and, or tell that to me? Or sometimes mm-hmm. I'll say something to my wife in response. She said, what I really need you to say is X. And I'll just say it right back. If you don't ask for your needs in a very specific way and what you need back, you'll never get it we have this – I'm sure you teach this a lot. You cannot be a mind reader in a relationship. Oh, you cannot expect your partner to meet your needs. You can't be a mind reader. You have to ask for what you want. And, and, and this goes back to what you said at the top of the show about being trained to be nice and not be selfish and you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All those childhood rules, which have no – they have very little relevance in adult modern life. Some relevance, mm-hmm. but very little. We have it's not selfish to ask for your own needs to be met by a partner. That's what being right. in partnership is all about.
1: Yeah, except a lot of people don't even know what those needs are. And I know. So how do you how so do So we start simple. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, for, I start really simple. I start with the basic process of learning how to deescalate. And after they and just one emotion at a time. And then once they can do that, then we start layering emotions. Now you can maybe do two or three emotions in a single in a single statement. And what happens is over a period of three or four weeks, as people do this and learn this skill, they begin to learn how to affect label themselves. And once they start affect labeling themselves, they become aware of their own emotional experience in a much deeper, richer way. Their emotional reactivity goes down, and all of a sudden, they start becoming aware of what their emotional needs are. And then they can Mm -hmm. start asking for it. It happens with every single human being I've ever worked with. Mm. It's just yeah, auto, it's yeah, an automatic learning so. process. It's so simple. We're just mm-hmm. working into how the brain has been evolved to to deal with this stuff. And the sad thing is yeah. that, that that the reason that this is so difficult is that we from from 3,000 years ago, the philosophers got it all wrong. Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, they got it all wrong. They they saw the danger of emotional reactivity, and so instead of thinking about how to help people deal with emotional reactivity, they put it down. They wanted to put it in a box and cover it up with a lid and not deal with it. And that idea of Western philosophy, that we are rational beings, has permeated religion, uh, law, politics, economics, mm-hmm. for thousands and thousands of years. And it's wrong. It's just wrong. We mm-hmm. are 98% emotional and 2% rational. Mm-hmm. And, and to think yeah. otherwise is extremely abusive. Yeah. And it's what causes yeah, so much conflict. Because awesome, our, our view of human today. nature is perverted. Yeah, I
1: totally hear you. No, I I, today in our in my Facebook group there was somebody who is going through a tough breakup, and Mm -hmm. she had a lot of self-awareness around it. And at the end, she said, "I'm going to cry, and then I'm gonna, I'll be fine." (laughs) And so I made sure to validate her emotions and say, "I'm glad that you're crying through this, and please make sure to take time to grieve." properly and not feel like you have to drive really, by yeah.
0: and even the that, emotions. Yeah, exactly. And you can even go deep in that. So you're really sad. You feel a lot mm-hmm. of grief and loss. There are times when you yeah. feel completely abandoned and rejected. And you also yeah. feel yeah. inside strength because you know this will pass. And so you're happy mm-hmm. with it. At the same time, you're feeling mm-hmm. sad. Okay. That's how I would affect label her. Yeah, that's
1: going through the whole process that she actually talked exactly about right. in her post. Uh, right. So I love that. Yeah. I think it's just, it's just so helpful. So go back and do a reply. To
0: after the show, do yeah, <laughs> yeah, do a reply back and try that and see what happens. It works online just yeah. as well as it works in person.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, and I see the other like, thing I when I teach to... people, Well, I just want to say when I teach people how to comment on each other's posts, I make sure to let them know that that,
0: it's Absolutely. not okay
1: to just start labeling the person that they went out with, what a jerk, it's his loss, right. you know, right. that's that's not right. effective. That is not going to be helpful. Right. Uh, it is not helpful.
0: You? I was yeah. just going to say that for women especially, this is a very powerful technique to make to, to build a bond rapidly with a man. Most men are are emotionally unavailable because that's how they've been trained to be. But they have emotions just like every other human being. And to the degree that, that a woman can listen to and gently label a man's emotional experience will quickly, 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 quickly build a deep empathic bond. And, mm. and I say this, I watch watched this happen. I've had graduates, women graduate students who I laugh and say, be very careful with this. And they go out uh, Friday after class and next morning they're at Starbucks and they use this in the Starbucks line and they come to class and the stories are hy- hysterically funny about how these guys just automatically started falling in love with these women. But I've also Mm -hmm. gotten plenty of emails from women over the years who have used these skills to build relationships and to build deep bonds. And, I mean, they're profoundly moving because you're validating this man into existence. He's never been validated before. Right. You know, so many people suffer from this imposter syndrome. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. people
0: suffer from this imposter syndrome where you have to fake it, you know, and I'm really not, yeah. I'm out there being a phony, you know, and, and men and women. And when you actually penetrate that by simply reflecting mm-hmm. back their emotional experience, it's like all of that goes away, and they feel, "Oh, finally, somebody has heard me." Mm. It's powerful
1: Yeah, powerful yeah. stuff. It is so powerful. Um, So can you give us another example? Because I think these examples are all terrific and um, both for positive and negative. And is there anything that comes to mind?
0: Um, Well, let me me do it this way. Um, So for people who are listening to the show, if you want to go out and practice this, do what I tell my students to do, which is go to some place where it's socially low risk, like a Starbucks or a supermarket, wherever you're going in your daily basis. And you're going to meet somebody along the way who's taking your money, taking your credit card, taking your order. Maybe it's a a service person in a restaurant. And look at them for who they really are. Ascertain what their emotional experience is in the moment and just reflect that what you see right then and there without anything else. So typically in a restaurant, I'll see a service person and I'll say, hey, you look really excited to be here right now. That's mm-hmm. all I'll say. Or I'll say, oh, man, you, you're looking a little anxious and a little harried right now if it's a busy night and they're looking a little out of control. Mm-hmm. And watch what happens because what will happen is you'll see the person light up and they'll start talking to you. You'll get the best service you've ever gotten <laughs> because all of a sudden, just mm-hmm. that one simple little validation listened them into existence. Practice this. Try to do it three or four times a week in all these little low risk situations with people who are complete strangers. And just watch what happens. Mm. Be the silent observer and watch. And def- 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 don't that. take the word of the great duck, Noel. Just go out and try it and see what happens. Give right. it a fair test. And you will yeah. see what happens, and it will become self-reinforcing. And the more you practice it, of course, the more natural it will become, and eventually mm-hmm. it will just become part of who you are. And it will change everything.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, so true and so, so important. Uh, I, I was just um, I was cleaning my daughter's room. She had gone off to, to her new job after college ended, and I was uncovering things that she had purchased, that she never returned, still had the tags on, and I'm, like, going crazy here. And it it goes against my value system. And so I I found a pair of shorts that she had bought in March, $60, that had the return label stuck on top. And I called the company, and I explained to them what happened, and I had such a nice conversation with the woman who was helping me and we connected about ADHD, both of our children have it. And you know, I was hearing her, she was hearing me, and she got me a full refund from March. I mean, this wow. thing could have been worth two dollars at this point. And right. so I let my daughter know that I took care of it this time. But a lot of it is the bond we create with somebody, where we start out with recognizing what somebody's going through. And I can think now, like you're talking about this, about being in the supermarket the other day where a woman was in a really bad space, the cashier. And I started asking about her tattoos because I was really interested in them. But if I had used this technique because I could see how frustrated she was and was like, oh, we never get bags here, you know, and just reflected on that, that would have made a bigger difference. So I'm going to practice. I like it. Yeah, practice it. Practice it yeah
0: it's just come so, practice. Uh, it's, a, it's a very elegant, yeah. simple idea. It just takes practice
1: yeah, and practice it with everyone and strangers are the easiest right. because there's less at stake. so mm-hmm. I always tell people that's right to low everybody risk.
0: That's right. low risk that's right low risk yeah. social yeah. situations mm mm-hmm. mhm- don't um, take on a so partner you're offering a, for a while
1: yeah,
0: yeah, I've got a free master class. If, People yeah, want to learn so more about, about this that. and learn more about what I do, go to um, Doug Knoll, D O U G N O L L dot com slash stop anger. It's a 40, 40 minute webinar, and I basically talk about these techniques and how they work and why they work. And then if you want to book a call with me, people can book a call mm-hmm. with me if they want to learn more. Great. That's simple. Right. DougNoll dot com slash stop
1: anger. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Yeah, we're living in a volatile time with politics and people feeling so divisive. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get into that. Um, but this we'll comes get into that. I've a be... and a uh, lot, <laughs> a whole other show. But it's uh, there's a there's a beautiful story of someone in my in my neighborhood who she's they're both politicians, married to each other. She's Democrat, he's Republican. They voted for the opposite parties, and they coexist because they, they really connect on common values and they were able to overcome any differences. And it's, I shared this to my group because I think people need to see stories about the fact that you don't yes. automatically dismiss somebody because they are other. Um, right. You know, and it,
0: And in fact, you learn that they're not other, they're you, if you're willing to listen. Yeah.
1: There's so no scary. such thing as the other. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. We, ha- we we do have so much more in common, and that's if right. We look for those things, and that is something that I did get out of um, nonviolent communication was to find the common right. values. Um, I think right. that is a valuable right. piece of it, but it's not the whole. Absolutely. Situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Doug. You're always amazing You're welcome, and informative Cindy. and helpful. Thanks. And I know that people listening to this show have learned a tremendous skill that will continue to help them throughout their life. Um, Great.
0: Glad to be of service. Yeah, thanks again. You're welcome.
1: And thanks, everybody, for listening today. And if you love our show, please go over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. That helps more people find us. Um, And uh, I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Thanks again. Have a great day. Bye-bye.